Sound Pages is a literary series featuring resident artists in the Jack Straw Writers Program. And Adam felt the heave of less than like the first heart that ever broke. Then told Eve to put some fucking clothes on. <laughs> this program features the work of 2018 writer Kamari Bright. Curator Damon Arundel sat down with her for an interview. Kamari, can you speak to uh, the project that you've selected for, for Jack Straw? Yes, so the project that I'll be working on is a poetic short film. And I've kind of been toying with that idea of that particular medium, which is just taking a poem and creating imagery in short film form. Because mm -hmm. I can be very concise and very brief. Mm -hmm. So I love short film. It's like, mm -hmm. this is perfect for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the poetic short that I'll be doing is called Respect. R-E-S-P-E-K, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> in reference to some pop culture things that happened with a, a rap hip-hop artist. Mm -hmm. um, and Put the, some respect on right, it. Right. <laughs> the, the whole concept is just pretty much enumerating all the things you can get with respectability. Hmm. How do you think your work either breaks the mold or challenges the status quo? I would say... In the respect that a lot of what I do focuses on understanding of yourself and of your surroundings. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of distractions um, and misinformation in our society. And for me, it's, a, it's important to kind of strip those things away and to show the truth of a situation. Mm. Could you say a little bit more about understanding? What do you mean by understanding? I really appreciate knowing how something functions or how it came to be. For instance, uh, if we look at our racial affairs in America, mm -hmm. there's this, this weird myth that like we were post-racial America at one point. Mm -hmm. um, and just trying to understand how that even got there, like mm -hmm. how we have one sect of our population that is oblivious to another sect's reality. That's the kind of thing that I needed to understand mm -hmm. because I feel like there's no way to to tackle it or break it down if you don't know how it functions mm -hmm. and how it's composed. Mm -hmm. um, and that for me, that's kind of where I'm going for understanding, like knowing the components of something and how it operates. And it's interesting in the way that you describe wanting to understand things um, and how they work. That sounds very scientific and it sounds very methodical. Um, almost like a scientist creating a hypothesis and then testing it out. Your work sounds, at least your your take on your work, sounds very much like that. I could definitely see that. In some ways, it's kind of how I approach some of our social realities because it can be so emotional that mm. it's hard to break down components mm -hmm. or to clearly see the way something is or how one side sees it and the other side and for me, it's been useful in, in trying to break down something. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, I'm talking to someone about a stereotype that they have, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't help me to, to kind of get into my defensive mode mm -hmm. and go into attack back. But if I can see the flaw in the logic, point out the flaw, make you aware of it, 
and then help you deconstruct it, it's mm-hmm. a totally different different outcome, I feel like. And I have been thinking about what the relationship between Black people specifically is in the country. And I was speaking to a friend one day, and she works in the domestic violence field. And she was saying that a lot of our relationship mirrors DV. And just really understanding that connection, like Mm -hmm. when you look at how we came here, and then every subsequent thing after, there's never been a time where we've been okay to just be. But in our heads, it's like we have a connection and a loyalty to this country. And I couldn't fully understand where it came from Mm -hmm. or how it's kind of like we just wiped the slate clean and forgot everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I was writing this, I wanted to try to convey that, like, we, we are in this relationship. And it's like we think that we are in love with this country, like mm-hmm. this is our country, this mm-hmm. is our nation. Mm-hmm. But there are so many things on the receiving end that we get that don't look like love. That's heavy. So a lot of your work is in response to the current state of our nation or in response to the consequences of colonization or uh, racism or slavery, etc. What do you feel that your work celebrates or stands up for or upholds? I would definitely say it celebrates a specific narrative. I identify as a black woman mm-hmm. and it's important to me to tell narratives from my perspective mm-hmm. because a lot of the ones that I've been shown or the ones that are prominent aren't from a black woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to add another voice because mm-hmm. there are so many other different voices in our country, but we primarily hear maybe two or three. Um, and I feel like it's important to throw those other perspectives in. Because that's what makes all of it up. It's not like we're just a country of two or three types of people. There are so many different human experiences. And when we put them out there, it gives us a chance to connect with other people and empower them to bring their voice too. Like, I don't know that I would have been writing if I hadn't read Nikki Giovanni, she's Mm -hmm. another black woman, Mm -hmm. or just other black writers. Um, In school, I only saw white writers, Mm -hmm. maybe until February. And then there was a handful. There was maybe the same five. Right. Um, So, yeah, I just want to make sure that I bring other narratives to the table. Now we'll hear a selection from Kamari's live reading. How to make a belief. One, lacquer your ideas tenfold until they neither bend nor flex. Use the thickened bile from your liver to provide them structure, to keep them from becoming something else. Number two, let 
dry. Number three, wrap your ideas in shrapnel, discarded from wars with other ideas, shrapnel and opposing incisors. Number four, varnish your ideas with your plasma. Graft them patches of your skin, sew in tufts of your hair. Now your ideas are beliefs, now they are personal. An attack against them as an attack against you. Number five, allow your beliefs to set. Number six, once they have set, wrap yourself in your beliefs. They are your second skin. They will not pry from you easily. Number seven, drill a hole through all the layers back down to the core idea, but only pin-sized. It is not there to remind or recenter. It is only there to relieve pressure. Um, the next piece is called In the Beginning. So this takes the creation story and changes a few details. In the beginning, there was her, the abyss. The abyss looked in upon herself and saw all the possibilities and things to come. She saw God read order, forming in her mist and the creations that were soon to follow. And as is the case with most chaos, a secret order, read God, came from her endlessness. And God sprang forth from the abyss and created limitations. Those were a heat. And he despised her with all of the triviality of a self-dimensional creation. But she cared not of his anger. From her he had come, and through her he would be lost. And God crafted a she in the likeness of her with a piece of endlessness in her belly. God called it the firmament. And so he began to hate she for the source that would always be within her. But he needed she to remember being endless because to feel but not remember his own vastness was an ache unhindered by consciousness, a torture freshly born. Soon his feelings of despise and dependence mixed in an upset stomach until he vomited them and created land. And in this way, since the genesis of time, the relationship between earth and sky has always been complicated. <laughs> the next piece is called The Garden. Um, and this is same thing, kind of a reimagining of the fall of man story. Um, and just, okay, a little background. I was reading these books that were taken out of the New Testament. There are some forbidden books of the New Testament, if anybody's familiar with it. And they have a lot of interesting stories in there. <laughs> um, some of them talk about how angels used to come down to earth and like mate with women and the kids they had. And there's like the backstory of when Jesus was a child, he was kind of bad, but that's not. Um, so this poem came from some of those backstories. And in that moment, when he saw her partake of the angel that was the forbidden fruit of God, Adam realized that he was inadequate, naked. 
He saw what the woman pulled from his body knew long before, that he was dim and dirt made. That the angel was her own piece of forever to consume, while he was merely her limitation in paradise. And Adam felt the heave of less than like the first heart that ever broke then told Eve to put some fucking clothes on. (laughs) This next piece is called Linguistics. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater was one, a colloquialism, a phrase that could have once been literal but isn't anymore. Two, a spell instructional for the women giving birth to living hopes in dying times, in times where they had to remember that supplies were low, but they were alchemist. When no thing could be thrown away, only repurposed. And three, and this is the most likely but the least discussed, a plea from the men who snuck babies between pelvises that did not wish to crack themselves apart, Mm -hmm. from the mortals suckling at the breast of unknowing goddesses for their chance at immortality. They gave prayers for the penance of things that were sullied from components and wished grace to be the divine sorter of things readily soaked into the ground. So this piece is called Mary, Mother of God, and this is from me reading some of the uh, early years of Jesus. Very fascinating. Jesus was kind of a bad kid. Um, He would like shrivel people's limbs if they made them mad or like (laughs) kill some kids that he was playing with. So um, this was kind of, uh, (laughs) this was the perspective of Mary. This is Mary, Mother of God. This is your son, your literal gift from God, became from you in a blinding ray. He is powerful, but not yet discerning. (laughs) So he smites and curses any dissatisfaction. And the other mothers are bereft that your son has killed their sons during play. But you try to tell them that it is okay because he is Lord, and how do you spank the light of the world anyway? But they cannot hear your sympathy and supplication. They want your little savior stretched high and wide. (laughs) And two more pieces. So this piece, um, I was thinking about how all of those things have influenced present day, specifically um, outside of misogyny and patriarchy, but I was thinking about specifically the case of African-Americans and how once upon a time the Bible was used to justify us being viewed as subhuman and of a lesser class. And so I wrote this poem for the people of Flint, Michigan with empty cups and running faucets. And this is called Chalice. Someone fed them a story of Jesus turning water to wine. Here they heave from their subsequent thirst. Lies wafer thin as the body, lead pours out as the blood. 
Do this in remembrance. Do this and remember it. Do this and dismember them. Amen. And the last piece uh, is one that I wrote for an upcoming exhibit I have this summer that looks at marginalized groups and their relationship to a personified America. So if America was a person and we were dating, what would our relationship look like? <laughs> so um, I wrote this for that exhibit coming up in the summer, and this is called Impasse. You've got this loving man and you don't know what to do. His love goes deep, like the crimson of your ruptured capillaries burst. You tell him you can't breathe that far below sea, but he keeps on because his love is pure, like your white bone gasping for air through waves of flesh and agony break. You try to tell him not to summon buoys from your limbs, but his love is thick, like the patches of blue velvet sprawled across your carcass. Batter. You aim to say that your body can't hold a galaxy of starless skies, but by then he has loved you red, white, and blue. What to do, what to do, what to do with this love. Sound Pages is a Jack Straw production. The 2018 curator of this program is Damon Arundel. This episode of Sound Pages was produced by Alyssa Keene and Daniel Gunther. Recording engineers are Ayesha Ubiatilaka, Daniel Gunther, and Joel Maddox. Narrator is Alyssa Keene, and executive director of Jack Straw Cultural Center is Joan Rabinowitz. Theme music by Amy Rubin and Don Clement, produced through the Jack Straw Artist Support Program. The Jack Straw Writers Program is made possible with support from the City of Seattle Office of Arts and Culture, Four Culture King County Lodging Tax Fund, the Washington State Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, Arts Fund, and individual contributors. Special thanks to Larry Lawrence. All of the writers heard in this series are published in the Jack Straw Writers Anthology. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.